Hello and welcome to Movies, Murder and Mayhem, the true crime, true stories, true everything behind our favourite horror films. I'm Egraine. And I'm Ruby. And together we're going to tell you nasty stories. And together we are mm. Mm. things that make mm. you go mm. You just, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it mm? Is it mm? <laughs> is it mm? <laughs> I think it's all of the above, really. Indeed, it is. <laughs> many thanks to many people. How are you? I'm good. I am suffering through January, but we're at the tail end of it. So as are we all? Yes, but it's nearly over. But it is fun thing is that neither of us are fucking dying this time around i know oscar has me on like a really hardcore regime of vitamins at the moment (laughs) yeah i'm on something similar but i think like our listeners should know what a like editing hero you are for (laughs) listening through not one but two episodes of the pair of us sort of like sniffling and hacking and like barely able to catch our own breath like I was I when I listened back to the episodes I was so impressed I was like oh we sound like we're almost healthy <laughs> almost, almost almost I'd actually blacked that out of my memory I'd completely forgotten about that <laughs> well you are indeed an editing hero I was very very impressed <laughs> oh dear yes but we currently uh, touch wood we are very healthy um yeah oscar's been getting me drinking these like pouches of orange stuff it's just it's disgusting but you know what um energies energy c or whatever it is like it's kind of like um baraka or whatever and i was like it's i think it's called like zest or something like that and it's like probiotics and vitamins and all this kind of stuff. And then he got me these like child's chewy vitamins to have as well. Sometimes you need though, because I can't remember which one of the, one of the many vitamins I am also currently taking. Um, it's vile. Like it just smells bad. Yeah. Like surely with all the technology we've come up with. Can you hear my dog howling in the background? Because <laughs> she's hungry. And oh. I haven't, fed, we haven't fed her. <laughs> That's not going to stop for a while. Sorry guys. <laughs> Well, if you hear my cat, he actually got his balls snipped today. So he's kind of... Oh, poor baby. He's, he's kind of currently uh, walking around like a, a drunk person, howling. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Does he have a tiny cone of shame on? No, they don't give male cats cones anymore because they don't have stitches anymore. Oh, wow. It's like that small of an op- operation, the keyhole. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh. Yeah, but bless him. Sherlock. <laughs> hopefully he might be less feral now i doubt it but you know uh, you can yeah i i think it does it does help a lot like i my my one came deballed so yeah. uh, i never got to experience <laughs> that particular process because <laughs> all of my animals are rescued so obviously they all get spayed and neutered in the rescue and then yeah i took them home so yeah i mean he's still a dick that helps. <laughs> Absolutely dark, but uh i think all cats are where were we <laughs> Sorry, we were just cats. Shooting, <laughs> shooting the shit, really. Um, I saw Megan the other day. I don't know if you've seen Megan yet. So uh, I was supposed to be seeing Megan yesterday. So we went to an unnamed Dublin city centre cinema. There's only like two, so take your best <laughs> guess. Um, got our ice cream, we got our popcorn, we sat down. We're like, yeah, going to go see Megan. Lots of like, lots of teens and stuff around, which I always yeah. kind of love going to see a stupid horror movie because it really helps with the atmosphere. Um, and then we sat there for 45 minutes with nothing on the screen. And eventually we went and asked what was going on. They were like, oh, we can't get the projector to start. Oh my God. 
Yeah. They didn't tell anyone. Now, luckily, everyone was comfortable, warm, and they had snacks. So no one was like getting like mutinous. Yeah. But they didn't even tell us. They didn't even, even after like half an hour, they weren't like, listen, guys, just to let you know, we're trying really hard to get it going. Yeah. But this is the situation. So eventually we just went home. We finished our ice cream. We waited another 20 minutes and then we went home. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So that was my experience of Megan. How did you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a great, because, you know, like almost kind of uh, rebelling technology, I guess, is the... <laughs> So it's kind of like Megan. It's just yeah, uh... relevant. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> you know what? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's the silliest thing I've seen, and it's—I mean—it's written by the same person that did uh, *Malignant*. Um, <laughs> I can't remember her name right now. So you know, it's going to be silly, and it is. It's yeah. ridiculous, but you know what? It was fun. It was. It's There's good. nothing wrong with a silly fun movie. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, the trailers made it look ridiculous, and it's just as ridiculous as the trailers make it out to be. Good, I'm glad. I am looking forward to actually finally seeing it. Fingers crossed yeah. it doesn't curse the projector again the next time we go. <laughs> we are going to see uh, um, Unwelcome soon, though, which I'm very excited okay. about. Um, right, this is nice. the new one from the guy who did Grabbers mm-hmm. about red yeah. caps forcing some Brit couple out of an Irish house, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When that kind of got announced, I was a bit like, ah, here, like this has already been done. And also red caps are Scottish. <laughs> yeah. So I was a bit like, oh, I'm really bored of this narrative of like diddly eye Irish folk chasing English people, which, you know, it's fine. Yeah. We all like a bit of diddly eye Irish folk chasing English people. But I just, I think it's just been done a lot. Like when you think of like the Hallow and um, Wakewood. Uh, yeah. You know, you're just kind of leprechaun of course that is the the pinnacle through in the hood you know there's an in the hood too i think i'm sure we found out about this when we went through it and i just blocked it out yeah i'm pretty sure i did as well but yes there's a second sequel to leprechaun in the hood <laughs> so now is that a sequel sequel a double sequel because it's in the hood was a sequel to leprechaun you know is it like because it's like a, a mini series within the wider the larger series like a sequel inception yeah, six up. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> six, so can, no, 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 that doesn't work. Um, so yes, I, I'm kind of over that. Um, I think there's a lot better, like Irish horror. I mean, honestly, I haven't seen it and I'll reserve my judgment for mm. when I see it. But I'm just like, oh, I'm ready for Irish horror that doesn't revolve around this kind of old tired trope of scary Irish rural villages and urban couples yeah we're like the Appalachians of the right? of Europe <laughs> like no um, wonder people no, have such a bad view of us I really liked Grabbers and it's a hard comedy which I think is coming at it from a different perspective it's not actually legit just like scary Irish people yeah yeah um I like Colin Meany <laughs> so I and she I'll always watch Chief O'Brien and something <laughs> always i'm looking forward to i think this year is going to be a big year for horror because we've obviously got scream six yeah i I will watch it yeah and then we've got um the new exorcist coming out i think the ex that is coming out on your wedding day um so i'm gonna have to make a really tough decision (laughs) i may need to steal you away from your groom to go (laughs) 
Do you know what? If you want to come to the hotel early, because the ceremony is not until the afternoon, so we can always watch it and get my makeup done. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Um, be a very, uh, <laughs> a very interesting way to start the morning. It would be. But what better way to start the morning, start your wedding morning than watching the remake of The Exorcist or whatever it's going to be? I mean, that's going to be, I I, I am very trepidatious about that now, I have to say. Yeah, especially because it was done by the guy that did the Halloween um, ends, Halloween kills, whatever it is, Halloween evil dies tonight series. Um, yeah, which, so, of which yeah. I liked the first one and that was it. Oh, I thought the first remember one it, so. No. Um, Oh god, yeah, a lot of lot of sequels, a lot of remakes. Yeah. Um yeah. Skinamarink is getting really good reviews though. Like But cool. yet no release in Ireland. Really? I yeah. well, are they gonna do It's coming out on Shudder on February the second, so it'll be on streaming there. Yeah. But like no cinema release in Ireland, which is really weird. I know sometimes they announce these things really late, like it can be difficult when you're getting your distrib um distributors and stuff. Um yeah, like I can't remember what there was like another kind of indie movie that I stalked for ages, and then it was like, oh, it's coming out next week. There you go. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'll just watch it when it comes on Shutter. I think. Yeah. Um, well, you're gonna need to, or else spoilers. I know. Yeah. Um, it looks good though. I'm just hoping it's not one of those disappointing, like Smile was for me last year. I know you hated Smile. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're obviously we're forgetting the most important of all the horror releases this year, which is. Blood and Honey. Yes, I nearly got a screener for that the other day. And <gasps> then it turned out that they're not giving out screeners. And I was like, damn it. Um, because that would have been the one. I can understand why, because that will I'm I'm surprised it hasn't already leaked on yeah. uh, on Torrance and stuff. Because that's, that's gonna be like true. that's gonna be the culty one. That's yeah. gonna be the one that people want to like go and see, hoping that it's like, you know, the horror version of the room or whatever. Uberdemic. <laughs> <New> <laughs> yeah um so yes that would be interesting um yeah it i think it's gonna be a good year for horror maybe or horror discourse even <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> um okay let's get into business um i think i went did i go first or did i go last last time um i think i went last you did and I we decided everyone out yeah exactly <laughs> um, are you doing a ghost story this time or a murder i'm doing neither i'm doing um unexplained deaths me too oh i hope we haven't done the same one <laughs> i really hope because we actually talked about it at the, on the last podcast we basically yeah. just did our admin on on like on yeah. air um so i'm doing edgar Allan poe okay i'm doing nightmare on elm street so we're okay we're good <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, we, yeah we recorded ourselves having this conversation and yet neither of us remember it yeah, ADHD no. folks <laughs> okay so I am doing the true story behind uh the inspiration for Nightmare on Elm Street um so Nightmare on Elm Street is a 1984 supernatural slasher written and directed by the Wes Craven and it stars Robert England as Freddy Krueger who is child murderer who after being burned by the town's adults becomes a supernatural demon with the ability to murder people in their dreams. Um, the film was a huge hit and it spawned a franchise, Friday the 13th crossover and remakes and it's just mahusive. Everyone knows who Freddy Krueger is. Yeah, I've heard of it. Your cat's named after Freddy Krueger, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of him. I think, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty well known. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the figure, the actual figure of Kruger was inspired by just some old random guy that scared Craven as a child. Like he, he was wearing like a fedora and stuff and Craven was like, Ugh. um, <laughs> but the actual idea of death while sleeping was influenced by an LA times article that Craven had read. Um, so the article told the story of, um, a Cambodian child refugee who had an extreme fear of sleeping and he was really scared that, once he fell asleep, he would be attacked in his dreams and he would die. So eventually his parents got him to go to sleep and they were like, phew, you know, finally our kids sleeping as all parents are ever. Um, this coming from someone who's had like three sleepless nights because their child keeps waking up. Uh, <laughs> so they finally got him to sleep and their relief was kind of short lived uh, because he woke up screaming in the middle of the night and while the parents rushed to get by his side by the time they got to him he had died literally while having a nightmare oh my god yeah so and what like what a what a literal nightmare as well yeah i know oh, jesus like after like making your child go to sleep how guilty would you feel i know but what are you supposed to like you don't like that it's such a weird thing to happen yeah. but yes also good god yeah um so this death wasn't a one-off however um it wasn't an isolated incident in the 1980s, kind of late seventies, 1980s, there was a spate of mysterious deaths that occurred amongst young men from the Hmong ethnic group. Um, and there was such a large amount of these occurrences that actually got the, the attention of like public health services um, and investigators. So it wasn't just like a couple of deaths here and now it was like something that made national news. Um, so the people of Hmong, I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. More free of you if you don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the people of Hmong are from Laos. Is that how you pronounce that? Laos. Laos. Okay. I'm not actually, okay. I'm not sure if you pronounce the S or not. But... Laos. 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 Okay. Because I just keep going to say leash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, which is in Southeast Asia. And they had been persecuted in Laos, Laos or Laos. Yeah, um, Laos. answers on a postcard, please. Yes. Um, <laughs> after they they had been recruited during the Vietnam Vietnam War by the USA to kind of fight as Allied soldiers, um, and thirty thousand Hmong soldiers fought alongside the US. But typically, of course, they had a death rate that was ten times as high as American soldiers, even though there was far few of them. Um, so when the Vietnam War ended in 1975, Laos became a communist country. And so the people of Hmong were seen as traitors um, because they had been working with the US. So a lot of them had to flee Laos and go to either Thailand or the United States. Sorry, I'm drinking Coca-Cola and it keeps making me burp every <laughs> Um, so of course like most refugees their troubles didn't end when they relocated um, there was a really high poverty rate amongst the refugees in the United States as well as several cases of PTSD as well of course because they were soldiers and lots of soldiers and obviously refugees coming from these kind of countries have PTSD um, so throughout the late 70s and 80s, the LA Times actually ran several articles depicting the deaths of Hmong men. Uh, one 1981 article described the death of a L Laotian. 
Like, <laughs> okay, hang on. I have pulled it up on Wikipedia and it has the listen option. Okay. Laos. 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 Okay. So Laotian, maybe? I, uh, you know what? I am not going to take a guess at that one. <laughs> That's all on you. <laughs> so men from Laos <laughs> um, who came to the US from a refugee camp in Thailand. So 47-year-old Hyong Leng Tao died in his sleep next to his wife. Uh, he was the fourth Hmong man to die in his sleep in nine months and the 13th Hmong nocturnal death since 1978. So despite in-depth investigation, there was no medical explanation whatsoever. Um, although the members of the Hmong community had a theory that the men had been exposed to chemical nerve agents um, during their fight in the Vietnam War. Um, but doctors were like, no, that can't be it because that's not how nerve agents work. Um, uh, what else? Oh, and the fact that it only affected males at night. That is weird. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I assume that nerve agents work straight away, like as soon as you get. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's certainly the intention anyway. But I mean, wasn't Vietnam when they used kind of Agent Orange and a lot of other experimental compounds? So, I mean... I don't know. It seems a bit far-fetched to go with like a nerve agent or something like that. But Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty ignorant about Vietnam. All I know is what you see on American films and TV shows and like Vietnam vets. Um, I'm completely ignorant to the war in Vietnam. It, I mean, look, I'm not going to claim to be any sort of expert um, or even, even vaguely knowledgeable. It was bad. <laughs> and now they treat their veterans like shit. That's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been born on the 4th of July. <laughs> I know that like Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA was basically about like Vietnam vets, right? I think so. I'm not a Bruce Springsteen person. I mean, I know the song, obviously, but um, yeah. do I know anything about it? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so yeah, so doctors are basically like, look, nerve gas doesn't act like that. That's not how it works. It doesn't choose a demographic and it doesn't choose when to kill. <laughs> like, um. There was also a belief amongst the Hmong community that it was more a supernatural occurrence, that because they weren't able to um, kind of um, take part in like traditional cultural beliefs because they had relocated, their ancestral, ancestral spirits were punishing them and killing the men in their sleep. So basically, they harbored a lot of guilt for uh, leaving course, their homeland. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there's like, I mean, it, was a, it was a bad war. So there's like survivor's guilt there. There's also the yeah. fact they were like basically forced out by their country, mm. um, regardless of how they felt. Because, I mean, was Laos, Laos wasn't communist prior to the Vietnam War. No. And then Vietnam won. And Laos was like, hey, communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, punished all the Hmong, Hmong people. Um, yes, there was a lot of kind of guilt there. And the fact that they, when they relocated, because say back in Laos, they would have had at hand materials they needed to perform rituals to kind of honor their ancestors. They didn't have those things to hand in the States. And so they couldn't perform their like cultural rituals mm. to honor their ancestors or their beliefs. So they, they kind of thought that it was a supernatural kind of 
ancestral punishment. Yikes. Yep. Um, so this ailment later became known as Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, aka SUNS. Um, and despite it being investigated by the CDC for years, like for decades this thing has been investigated, there's never been an explanation for it. Ever. Um, the only thing they could come up with was like, oh, these men were stressed and it made their heart give out in their sleep. Yeah. So that I mean, is literally so, like that's. I mean, I think we kind of talked about this before in relation to SADS and sudden adult death mm. syndrome. SADS. Um, it's just like they. It, it's always the worst thing because there's like no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. There's no like, in, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, and so there's like there's literally nothing. There's no kind of like yeah, yeah. But I would love to know if it's still happening. Like they said, it was like really concentrated, obviously, in the seventies and eighties when all of this happened. But like, is it still happening, or has that, or is it like, yeah. did that die off with the generation? That's interesting. Like, was it this one? And like, so if it it wasn't, and it wasn't really reported hugely prior to this either, with no. the exception of that one, yeah. like the case that you started with, and even that was yeah. kind of around the same time. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose the difference is that was a child as opposed to an adult. Yeah, I mean, it could have been happening like back in Laos, but. You know, like yeah. they, it wouldn't have known. You think so? If it, if it was happening, they might have like noticed. So it wouldn't have been that weird. It would just be like, oh, the night demons got him or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, those night demons, they sometimes get you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, it's interesting. And the fact that they've never been able to explain it other than maybe it is just a case of sads and, you know, it just happened to happen while they were asleep. So Wes Craven read about this displaced culture yeah, where people kept dying randomly in their sleep yeah, and was like, hey, child molester, ghost. (laughs) I'm going to team this with that creepy old man I saw when I was a child. (laughs) Some poor dude was just like, he was just wandering around being like doing his his thing. And Wes Craven was like, you're fucking terrifying. I'm going to immortalize you as a very unpleasant person. Yeah, like Wes Craven literally did a Kevin McAllister on it. Like, you know, when Kevin <laughs> sees the old guy and he yeah. thinks he's like murdered his wife and put him in the barrel of salt. That's it's literally what Wes Craven did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is the, I know it's quite a short one, but that is ba- I'm basically the story behind uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, how it went from, is but like, it seems really terrible that he'd use this terrible story about like refugees like you said, and then just be like, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I know, I know. Like people take their, their influences from everywhere. I don't I don't mean to get down on, on Wes Craven. Like and it's like, you know, it's horror as well. Like you're taking yeah. this thing that is, you know, and that I I think when like the unexplainable is often so much more horrific than anything else. So Yeah. Yeah. Um I just want to say my sources were history.com and again that book that I keep telling you about Behind oh. the Horror by Dr. Lee Meller. Um, I put it on my to read list on Goodreads so I don't forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they go into a bit more, a lot of detail about it. But to be honest, I didn't really want to listen to the chapter again because I just don't don't have time for it. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got other weird shit to listen to. (laughs) I do. I have so much weird shit to listen to. Um, So, yes, that is the story behind uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Very, very cool. Yeah. So I have. It's probably good that it's short because mine's kind of chunky because I wanted to talk about the death of Edgar Allan Poe because yeah. it is a mysterious death. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started reading more about his life, which some of which I knew, but like this motherfucker was so unlucky from like the beginning. And then like post death as well. <laughs> so, and also he needs to be judged in some ways. Okay. Uh, you know, literary and gothic icon, mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, much beloved, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by many, by many people. Um, I, I, I like, feel, I feel like a lot. He's a lot like the dude bro of gothic like writers. You know, like if someone's trying to impress someone, they'd be like, "I'm really into poo." Really? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, have you even read Deaths in the Room Work? <laughs> Murders in the Room Work. Jesus. Oh my God, I'm a fake poe girl. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, so I, I really, I actually genuinely do like Poe. I really loved mm. his, I mean, well, like anyone, good goth of our generation. I was first introduced to him through <clears throat> Treehouse of Horror, The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> and it just went on from there. But I mean, he's he's kind of one of the pioneers of the short story as a format, which is actually a form that I really enjoy. Uh, again, ADHD. It's really nice to be able to read something within an hour and then never have to go back to it again. You know, and you come back to it three years later and you're like, ah. Yeah. Oh, I remember where I was, the end of a story and the beginning of another one. Um, and also, I think arguably with stories like Murders in the Room Work, he pioneered kind of the detective story as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Arthur Conan Doyle was years later. So, you know, I think, yes, yes, he is a bit of a of the dude bro of, of gothic literature. But, you know, he is that also that for a reason. But, um, yeah, he had a... <laughs> the man had a weird life. Um, much to it I think that probably helps his his image mm-hmm. um for sure and he looked super goth before that was a thing <laughs> he really lent into that uh, stereotype before it was a stereotype yeah he really he really set up that archetype like you know he was born with sunken eyes that baby was just like oh god I've been alive for I've been alive for an hour and I'm already tired <laughs> Um, but he was born in um, 1809 in Boston to two actors, which explains the drama. Let's face it. Oh my God, he had no chance. <laughs> no chance. Also, fun 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 po fact: his grandfather was from Calvin. No way. Yeah, there you are now. I did not know that. Yeah, his dad's dad emigrated emigration from Calvin. With a name like Poe. I know. There you are. Huh. Um, okay. Now it's possible they changed. I was just about well, to say, yeah. his, dad, his dad was an actor. He yeah. was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably something like O'Connor or O'Malley. Yeah. <laughs> Edgar O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar Allen O'Malley. After I know him well. Um, but um, before he was three, his father had abandoned the family, which included an older brother, Henry, and a younger sister. And then his ma died of tuberculosis. Oh my God. <laughs> And so he was raised by John and Francis Allen. So in Richmond, Virginia. Who are John and Francis Allen, you, you ask? No fucking clue. They're of no particular relationship to this child. They just have him. <laughs> they just took him. They were like, we'll take that one. His his um his brother went to stay with his grandparents, and I think his younger sister was raised by their aunt. So all the kids were sort of scattered across the, the country at the time, which wasn't big. It was only after like um the civil or not the civil war the other one war of independence yeah (laughs) so you know there was only half of it there but they were scattered across all the a couple of different states but anyway so he went and lived in virginia with uh these randos 
for a good while, <laughs> well into his kind of young adulthood. <laughs> Who are they? We don't know. Apparently, there's a chance that one of that John Allen was his godfather, but okay. it's unclear. I just have this vision of like they go into an orphanage and they're looking around and they're like, I'll pick that sickly looking one in the corner. <laughs> I think like the aunt and the grandmother were like, right, you take one. I'll take this. One. Oh, we've got another one. I can't take both of them. Like we can only take one each. There's only so much consumption to go around. Um. Anyway, so uh, he grew up in Richmond. So he grew up in Richmond, Virginia with these randos. Um, and he had a childhood sweetheart called Elmira Royster, which is a very 1800s name. And I enjoy it yeah. very much. Elmira. Elmira. So they became engaged and then uh, he buggered off to study at the University of Virginia, where he racked up a whole ton of gambling debts. <laughs> um, by the time his foster father uh, was like, I'm not sending you any more goddamn money. He came back to Richmond, Richmond Virginia and had found out that Elmira, his fiance, had buggered off and married someone else. <laughs> she that was, was not waiting bugger. around for him. And John Allen was like, look, I'm not giving you and your gambling any more money. No more. So in order to support himself, he enlisted in the army in 1827 under a false name and claiming he was 22 when he was in fact 18. <laughs> Very soon after, he got bored. <laughs> Um, once again, diagnosing historical figures with uh, ADHD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he got after less than a year, he got bored and tried to leave. by, re- And he was like, oh, I lied to you. I'm uh, 18 and that's not my name. And they were like, mm, no, you can stay. <laughs> you got to stay. <laughs> and so he stayed in the army until 1829 when he managed to convince John Allen to buy his way out of service, which apparently was a thing. If you just gave the army enough money, they were like, fine, get out of here. I wonder how um, much though. Right. I could not find out that figure. Um, and from the <laughs> from the army, he then enlisted in the U.S. Military Academy in New York. So he'd been a, a, like a um, a cap, not a captain, nothing that um, that uh, that high up, but like he'd been in the army for several years, and then he went to the military academy. But then he got bored of that and he got himself court-martialed on purpose to get kicked out because they wouldn't let him leave either. They were I'm like, I think they were trying here. to work ethic into this fucker. And they were like, no. <laughs> so he actually, when he was in the army is when he published his first book of poetry. Um, and then by the time he left the military academy, this is kind of when his, his career as an author started taking off. And during this period and over the next couple of years, he lived on and off with his aunt, Maria Clem, her young daughter, Virginia, Poe's brother, Henry, and their invalid grandmother, Elizabeth. And apparently these lost just like were living all over the shop. Um, in 1836, so several years later, later Poe married his first cousin, Virginia. As they did back in the day. As they did now. So we sometimes talk about judging people based on our own modern day morals and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, you can't quite, you know, people did marry a lot younger back in the day. Yeah. It was more accepted. So you can't judge someone's moral character on these things necessarily. However, we can judge this <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so he met Virginia when she was seven years old. Oh, God. He married her when she was 13. Oh, God. And people go, oh, okay, you know, this is more common back then. Mm-hmm. But they knew something was up because they got a witness 
to falsely state that she was 21 at the time. Oh my so God. he knew. They knew it was fuckery. And not shady. Very oh fucking God. shady. I bet they're not putting that in the Edgar Allan Poe films they're uh, <laughs> releasing at the moment. Nope. <laughs> I will get, we'll get to those. <laughs> Shortly after they got married, Poe had two very public affairs um, and broke poor Virginia's heart. She was only wee, like. Oh my God. Like, broke her poor teenage heart. That was her, her first teenage, teenage heart. So they were married for nearly a decade or just over a decade. Um, she Virginia died of consumption in 1847 and they never had children, probably for the best. Yeah. Um, and her illness had been a great strain on poor Edgar. Um, apparently he started drinking heavily at the time. So she, yeah, all tuberculosis getting everyone back then. So she suffered on and off with it for about four years before she actually eventually succumbed. And then afterwards, apparently he went a bit off the rails. Uh, fun fact, fun po fact. I literally have fun po fact. Um, apparently he could not, like genetically, he couldn't hold his liquor. Like there was a thing, it was the same with his sister and his brother where they would like get absolutely hammered after one glass of booze. Oh, I've heard of people like that. Yeah, yeah. apparently it's a thing. And it, it kind of comes back into play because obviously Poe had a reputation for being, or sorry, has a reputation for being mm. an alcoholic and a drunk and all that kind mm. of stuff. But apparently that's not entirely true. <laughs> but we'll get to that. So at some point, so Virginia dies, he keeps writing a lot of dead ladies in his uh, mm-hmm. in his writing. So it did affect him, even though The Raven actually was written, I think, four or five years before her death. Okay. But at some point between 1847 and 1849, he reunited with Elmira. Ah. Yeah, his childhood sweetheart. And Wait, he was, was not she of age? <laughs> well, like, yeah, because they were childhood, they were the same oh, age. Okay. They were roughly okay, the same age. Um, she had her husband had died and now she was real rich which I'm sure didn't help or I'm sure helped a lot rather <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but she had a couple of kids but she also had a lot of money but then in September of 1849 Poe left Virginia where he had been living with Elmira on his way to New York City to meet with a publisher uh, no one knows where he was for the week between the 27th of September and the 3rd of October. He was gone. Okay. Um, he was supposed to be taking, I think he was taking either, I can't, I'm not sure. So some people just keep referring to it as a steamer. I have no idea if they mean steam train or steam boat. Because um, <laughs> they're all on the coast. So, you yeah. know, it's possible that he could have gotten a boat up the coast. But anyway, um, on October the 3rd, he was found in a delirious state outside a bar in Baltimore which is definitely not New York. No. Has been close, but not quite. (laughs) Yes. Someone sent a letter to his friend, Joseph E. Snodgrass. I only mentioned because his name is Joseph E. Snodgrass and that is a wonderful name. (laughs) And the letter reads thusly, Dear sir, there is a gentleman, rather the worse for wear, at Ryan's fourth ward polls, who goes under the cognomen, cognomen cognomen of edgar a poe and appears in great distress and he says he is acquainted with you and i assure you he is in need of immediate assistance yours in haste mr walker (laughs) (laughs) which is like you know when you didn't have phones so it's like you know i i feel like he probably could have used a few fewer words (laughs) to write that instead of just like stating multiple times that he was in distress 
Yeah, I just love how polite it is when really it's literally like, dude, come get your friend. <laughs> come get your like potentially hammered friend. Yeah. Oh, and another thing that was important to note that it was a election day in Baltimore at the time. They were electing a sheriff, I think. Okay. And um, at the time, they used to put polling stations in pubs because it upped attendance. <laughs> Trust me, this is relevant, okay? Okay. So when Snodgrass came and found his friend, he uh, described his appearance as repulsive with unkept hair, a haggard, unwashed face and uh, (coughs) lusterless and vacant eyes. Um, His clothing was noted as being uh, dirty and ill-fitting, which was very unusual because um, despite uh, uh, everything, uh, he was a very dapper man. Apparently he was always really well dressed and was noted for it. Oh God, sir. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, he was taken to a local hospital where people assumed that he was just drunk out of his mind. So he was put in uh, a room that was reserved for drunk people, which is a prison-like room with barred windows. Lovely. <laughs> just what you want to dry people out. Um, he never recovered over the next couple of days. Um, it was four days he was in the hospital. He never fully regained consciousness. Um, he was completely delirious pretty much the entire time. He apparently called out for someone called Reynolds several times. He also referred to his wife a lot, um, the deceased one. Well, unsure whether it was the deceased one or <laughs> he had just recently reproposed to Elmira. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were engaged. So it's kind of hard to tell. Um, and then uh, he didn't know what happened to his clothes. He didn't know what happened to his belongings, like his traveling trunk, which turned out was back in Richmond. It had never left with him. So there was a full week where he was just without his stuff, um, doing God knows what. Uh, and then according to a local phys- uh, uh, attending physician, he said his final words, Lord, help my poor soul before passing away on October the 7th, 1849. Okay. So he was found apparently drunk, but never sobered up. Mm-hmm. Someone else's clothing, completely delirious. And then passed away. So the official cause of death recorded was basically inflammation of the brain, which at the time was used as a very polite way of saying they drank themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of argument over what actually caused that. Um, in addition, a lot of Poe's reputation as being a drunk and like completely chaotic character was actually character assassination by a gentleman named Rufus Wilmot Griswold. <laughs> really great names in this story. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was um, a literary agent and a critic as well who fucking hated Poe. And somehow, so, somehow he became the literary executor of Poe's will. But before any of that happened, so when Poe died, he wrote... Uh, pseudonymous obituary that absolutely tore Poe's character to shreds. So okay. it was, yeah, I can't remember what the name was that he signed it as. It was something stupid, like not his, his own name, obviously. But basically, this obituary saying, like, oh, he was a literary great, but he was a fucking alcoholic and he was a drug addict and he was awful. Um, <laughs> apparently, a lot of the obituary was plagiarized from a fictional book <laughs> called <laughs> <laughs> Like, this guy was such an asshole. <laughs> Oh my god. He then um in 1850 he um published a collection of Poe's work that included a biographical article titled Memoir of the Author in which Poe was depicted as a depraved drunk drug-addled madman. Um 
pretty much all of it was fabricated by Griswold and a lot of Poe's contemporaries were like um, officially said like they were like he's, he wasn't like that he wasn't yes he liked to drink probably maybe a little bit too much but he wasn't a complete out of control yeah. alcoholic in the way that he was depicted and the way that a lot of people think of him now yeah um, and because Griswold had been doing this to Poe in the press even before he died because he was found delirious outside a bar everyone was just like well booze yeah wow Sounds like yeah. Griswold didn't have a lot of, like, he, he had a lot of time on his hands. Apparently. <laughs> he was like, he was like the world's first troll before trolling really was even was. a thing. I just love the fact that, like, not only did he write an obituary slandering this poor dead man, being like, he was, a, he was, no, he wasn't a good dude. He plagiarized it. <laughs> This is just really funny and it was like so basically he took the description of a fictional character mm. a, a villain and was like this was Edgar Allan Poe the real life human <laughs> what it's a shady queen so rude so rude so here are the many things that have been uh, suggested as a potential cause of death for Edgar Allan Poe Rare forms of brain diseases or tumours, diabetes, various types of enzyme deficiencies, syphilis, apoplexy, <laughs> delirium, <laughs> delirium tremens, epilepsy, meningitis, heart disease, lead poisoning, mercury poisoning, <laughs> cholera, murder. <laughs> murder. I, I mean, knowing the times that it was, it was probably all of them. Yes. Every single one of them. He probably got a cut on his thumb. Yeah. And then went crazy and stole someone else's clothes and ran away. It, yeah. I, you know, um, my favorite one. So there's a couple of things that were, it was like um, Elmira's brothers beat the shit out of him. But I don't think there was any evidence of like a beating or anything yeah. like that. Now, that being said, you know, it doesn't always result in physical evidence of that kind. But my absolute favorite theory is that of cooping. Okay. I don't know what that is. Explain. What, what do you think cooping is? <laughs> All I can think is chicken coops, and that's that's because you know, growing up in rural Ireland, you go straight for the farm. Yeah, um, well, no. of course you would. Um, the other option is the cooper, like which is a barrel maker. Oh, didn't we discuss this before? Yes, I think I can't remember who was a barrel maker. It was that fucker, the one who killed <laughs> his wife. Um, they thought she thought she was a changeling. Him, he was an. Oh asshole. yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. a cooper bastard. Anyway. <laughs> Those Cooper bastards. He was a filthy hand licker. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> cooping is uh, it's a it's a particularly fun and insane form of voter fraud that used to happen back in the day. I mean, like it's honestly, it makes U.S. politics of now seem almost sane and normal. Almost, <laughs> almost. So cooping was where local election gangs, (laughs) so it should presumably just heavies hired by politicians or whomever, so they would kidnap people and force them to vote multiple times. And often what would happen is they would like make people change clothes and put on like disguises and shit and be like, go in and vote again, go in and vote again, which could potentially explain why he was wearing someone someone else's else's clothes. Okay. So... This is the, yeah, so basically they, you know, they forced him to do that and then they did something, God knows what they did to him, but they did something to him. Mm -hmm. 
that caused him to die. I mean, maybe a hard blow to the head. I mean, let's face it, you know, it was the 1800s. Doctors yeah. weren't exactly thorough. <laughs> they basically just checked if they were dead or not. And even then they were quite unsure. <laughs> yeah. And like everyone seems to like, even though, so the guy who was like the, the his main attending physician at the hospital was a guy called Moran. And like he claimed a whole bunch of shit. He was like, you know, Poe said this in his delirium and he mm. said that and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, and you know, eventually everyone was like, oh, sure, you're telling the truth. So apparently mm. everyone lied about this poor fucker. Poor Poe. But um, it didn't end there for old Poe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for an extra fun bit. So he was um, buried in a church. I think he's buried in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, or possibly Baltimore. I can't remember where he's buried. Anyway, he got buried somewhere in a church. Um, and someone had paid for and ordered this beautiful white Italian marble headstone, which got destroyed when a cha- train derailed <laughs> and plowed through the yard it was being kept in. So okay. he was basically in an unmarked grave for years. Right. Um, and the sight of his grave got really bad. And so eventually some teacher was like, hey, this guy was a literary great. We should get him a new monument. So she basically did an 1800s GoFundMe um, <laughs> and raised the money for it. And then they decided to, he was in like a back plot. He was like shoved down the back. Yeah. And someone was like, it's Edgar Allan Poe. We should probably put him somewhere a bit more prominent. So they decided to rebury him. So they exhumed the body, but in the process of moving him from one grave to another, his casket disintegrated and his remains fell out. <laughs> Oh my god. So I'm not gonna cite my sources because some of them may be apocryphal, but I'm choosing to believe this is all true because this man was fucking cursed. <laughs> he was just living that goth life. He really like, was. In life and death. He really, really was. Um <laughs> so yeah. Eventually he got reburied and he got a nice mm-hmm. new monument and everyone was happy. Griswold was still slandering him all over the shop until he died. And that version of Poe like stuck in the public consciousness for a long, long time. I think even now people still because he has that look about him as well. Yeah, he does you know, like, look he, like he, a drinker. He looks like he's got a bottle of hard liquor in his pocket. Yeah, although it, it wouldn't look out of place. Like I don't know, I just seems like an absinthe drinker and an opium smoker. But I think yeah. that's very much like that's just that gothic aesthetic, <laughs> that <laughs> gothic vibe they were going for back in the day. Yeah, you can see him in like opium dens. Very chasing the dragon. Exactly, exactly. Um, mm. okay. So yeah, that is the story of a very a very brief story of the life and death of Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. I I didn't know that because, again, everyone was always like, Edgar Allan Poe, and I'm like, pfft. Um, <laughs> you were too cool for Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> well, I've, I've always been a Shelley stan, so, you know, everyone always talks about Edgar Allan Poe. And, um, There's room for both of them in my life. Sure. Um, <laughs> sure. No. Uh, I did. I did try and get him to him when I was like in my. I say when I was in my. Still am in my goth girl phase, but like I, I tried, and I just, I just find him a bit too flowery and a bit too. That's that's fair. I mean, it is yeah. that kind of, yeah, very gothic prose, which mm. is very flowered and very blah. Yeah. Um. At times. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I've seen the uh the true house of horror like you've said um and there's been quite a few adaptations of his work obviously pit in the pendulum that's ed grandpa isn't it pit yep, the pendulum. Pit the pendulum. yeah pendulum. Um, is it the one with vincent price yeah 
which means I've it has absolutely that. nothing. They're, those are my yeah. favorite. They all have absolutely nothing to do with the source yeah. material. <laughs> they were just like, mm, yes, yeah. <laughs> Mask of the Red Death. What's it about? Well, it's not what it's in the story. <laughs> and obviously, like Telltale Heart is a big one as well. But... Yes, Telltale Heart is a big one. Mm. Um, um, and the Raven, obviously. Yeah, um, but there's been quite a few films with like Edgar Allan Poe as the as main character. There has, yeah. Um, one which came out recently on Netflix, The Pale Blue Have Eye. you watched it? I've heard terrible things. We watched maybe a half an hour worth of it last night. Yeah. It is so fucking boring. Yeah, I just heard. I was like, this is awful. Yeah, and like I, I do that that thing of like I often have to like like usually like I'm playing a stupid game on my phone or something yeah. um I'm fiddly or I'm knitting or I'm sewing yeah. or I'm doing something else at the same time that but that doesn't mean I'm not engaged but I was fully yeah. disengaged from this I was reading a fucking yeah. novel by the end of it I was like it was just murmurs in the background yeah I haven't heard great things so I'm not great with boring like long drawn out things anyway so yeah I'm gonna give this one a miss but there was also the one with um yeah, I can't recommend it in any way, shape, or form. I like, I really, really just could not get on board with it. And Dudley Dursley played Poe, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm up for that. Oh, is um, I thought Christian Bale was playing him. No, he plays some other random guy. <laughs> it's it's set when Poe is in the military academy, and he oh, okay. Uh, Christian Bale is playing a detective, um, who a retired detective whose wife is dead. Uh, who recruits Poe po basically starts helping him and he, I think at the end I'm sure by the time I got to the end of it the idea would be that this like Christian Bale would influences like inspires Poe to write these stories but um, I didn't get that far because I wasn't very interested <laughs> what was the one with um, John Cusack the Raven right I no. remember seeing that and hated it <laughs> no it's not a good movie but I really like it. <laughs> of course you do, Ruby. Like, it's really stupid. But it's it, look, it's a hundred times more engaging than that pile of shite. At least it's not actually, it doesn't feel like it's taking itself particularly seriously. Yeah. And yeah. my favourite thing about The Raven, it's so stupid, is that... Um, <laughs> that is your favourite thing, that it's so stupid? It's so stupid. No, the whole thing is very stupid. But um, the thing about The Raven is that, uh, so he helps solve these crimes that are... Yeah inspired by his books or by his stories which is you know mm, love that as a plot point in my crime procedurals um <laughs> and then the serial killer is Reynolds the guy whose name he said before he died <laughs> it's very good yeah there was like, actually Sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, like, it's not good, but it's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're up for some something very stupid and you're a John Cusack stan, like I am, I I stand all the Cusacks, John and Joan, <laughs> or Cusacks in my life, please. So there was a film that came out as well last year. Well, it was shown at Fright Fest. Um, it is called Ravens Hollow, and. It, uh, I'm just reading the summary here. So West Point military cadet Edgar Allan Poe and four other cadets on a training exercise in upstate New York come upon a man eviscerated on a bizarre wooden rack. His dying words direct them to a forgotten community which they believe is guarding sinister secrets. Ooh. So there's another one. So that's quite a similar to Pale Blue Eye. Okay. And uh, that it's set during his cadet years while he was in military yeah. training. Um so that seems to be a popular one. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though he obviously didn't like the military, 
kept going back. <laughs> well, he got stuck there for a good few years both times. So he's like, God damn it, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I hated it before should have been a clue <laughs> <laughs> okay so that was Edgar Allan Poe then yep the yeah the very unfun life and death <laughs> <laughs> I feel more sorry for him if he hadn't married a 13 year old I'm gonna be honest yeah that's 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 kind of like the main thing that I'm like ooh. yeah I know I mean I suppose it wasn't he didn't have form for it I guess because he'd get back with his like age-appropriate love interest so you know maybe maybe it was just a weird thing where he was genuinely like I think I love this teenager <laughs> that is awesome you know awesome. her yeah like her conversation is just really sparkling <laughs> we have so much in common we have so much in common I'm 28 she's 13 like age is just oh. a number <laughs> I mean sometimes it is and that's fair, but sometimes it really fucking isn't. No, it's, it's really not. You cannot explain that away. Yeah. <laughs> you never hear someone who's like, you know, 60 dating an 80-year-old saying age is just a number. It's only when someone's very young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's only when they've got to justify it. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about like uh, Buzz Aldrin married his longtime partner there the other day. And mm. he was 91 and clearly his like spring and his spring chicken trophy bride was in her 60s and i actually oh, thought it was very sweet that's so sweet yeah at what point does it become less creepy <laughs> i think once you're both into like proper mature adulthood okay like i think once you get to like your mid to late 20s you are at a place probably depending on the person obviously but in a general sense you're at a place where you can actually genuinely like emotionally and intellectually connect with someone even though they yeah. might be quite a bit older but like yeah. when you're very young and you're still forming all of that yeah because like if someone in their 30s wants to date someone in their 60s I don't give a shit like you know you obviously like each other who cares but if someone in their 30s wants to date someone in their teens then that's a problem <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely um so yeah that was this episode I I'm trying to think what to do next week I was like I should probably do a ghost story because I've done haven't done a ghost story i was thinking i might do the um the lives of um oh my god it's just gone out of fire ed and lorraine warren there we go yes we have yes. talked about ed and lorraine before and i would yes. be happy to talk more about them because they were fucking insane <laughs> they were <laughs> no they weren't the patrick wilson and vera for me because that were all uh <laughs> we're all i know what i'm gonna to. I, I know what i'm gonna do for the next one and it's gonna be a bummer so <laughs> i'll go for it next time <laughs> nice <laughs> um okay so you can find us at what underscore scream on twitter um and don't forget to rate review subscribe to mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs>